This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is the famous Chelsea Fancast, and it's going to Wembley. Enough. Right. I know, I know. I'll tee them up. I'll tee them up. Right. Uh, Sunday saw Chelsea in their 23rd FA Cup semi-final. 23rd FA Cup semi-final. That is mental. And they made it a lucky 13 wins by beating Southampton 2-0. As a result, we can now look forward to Chelsea's 13th FA Cup final on, would you believe it, the 19th of May against our old foe, Man United, led by our old manager, Jose Mourinho. Omens abound. And I bet the scriptwriters are already sharpening their pencils. Uh, it never gets old, does it? Who would have thought back in the early 90s that the next 25 years would bring 19 finals for the perennial underachievers of football? But to rescue this season from what has often felt like disappointment, do we really need to bring the cup home on the 19th of May? Of course we do. Anyway, more of that later. Uh, the Chelsea Fancast, 423 Clever, Metal Giroux. Clever. And I'm... Thank you. Now, you see, because Jonathan has, Jonathan has the benefit of the script, which is, it's Metal Giroux is spelled M-E-T-L-E. I mean, it's just so T-Rexian. Oh, indeed. Indeed. But, of course, the metal refers to the fact that he was most definitely on his metal. And, of course, yes, indeed. And showing all the strength and vitality that we need for a leader of the line. Anyway, uh, more of that anon. Uh, as you've already heard, uh, what, 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 what? Great Jonathan Kidd on the show tonight. Yes, indeed. Yeah, lovely to have you here, old Bean. Uh, it's uh, lovely to see you on Friday as well, in the old uh, love sport ding-do, which was, uh, as always, uh, great fun. Um, I should share with you, actually, JK, that my, my wonderful, very long-suffering wife, uh, I made her listen to uh, the show... 
uh, of, of Saturday, uh, of Friday. On, I, I made her listen oh to the show God. that we did on Friday on Saturday. And uh, she, yes, I know, I'm, I'm that cruel. Uh, most people would call that marital abuse. Um, but she actually liked it. She said it was great. She said it was really good because she doesn't get to keep up with Chelsea too often. And she said that we were all really funny. So we've had the highest praise that a man or a podcaster could have bestowed upon them. We have the royal patronage and seal of approval from Mrs. Chidge. So there you go. I thought I'd let you. I thought I'd share that with you. Uh, anyway. Yes. Anyway, other than uh, the uh, the ubiquitous Jonathan and myself, we've got the love for. It seems like we yeah, haven't spoken to Dan back. for ages. Dan, how are you, my friend? We did. Yes, we did. And there were all sorts of other people in the pub too. I do love going to the Vic before FA Cup final day. It is it is absolutely what it's all about in my book. Uh, one of my favourite favourite pubs. The only pub we ever go to actually pre Wembley. But great to be there. Uh, somebody we didn't see sadly, uh, of course, was the wonderful Oliver Harbord. How Very are you, well, Ollie? Mate. How are Football you? London. I should add. How are you, mate? Mm, I'm good. No doubt you were ensconced uh, in the I press was. box. I was. I had my sunglasses on, uh, on, on and my sun cream on as well because it was blazing down where the press box is at Wembley. So uh, it was a pretty nice day to be mm. watching some football. I've got to say. It's a very nice press box too. Actually, it has to be said. I, I, I the, the Wembley. I've, I've, I've. Would you believe this? I've actually uh, covered England games uh, in the Wembley. I mean, I must tell you this. Actually, it's a bit of an aside, but what the hell? I actually covered an England game or two uh, for Nuts TV. The FA are so stupid. They are so stupid that I blagged two press passes uh, with full access. Wow. I hasten to add. For nuts TV, and uh, I acted the yeah I acted the clown throughout, much to the annoyance of a lot of the journos, who of course I knew at the time. Uh, but I can I can confirm I can confirm that the press facilities at Wembley are very very good. Anyway, enough of that later, because I'm going to be slagging Wembley off for most of the show thereafter. But there we go. On this very show tonight, we will be heaping praise on Olivier Giroud for his third goal in as many games. And what a goal it was. Uh, They're still uh, spread-eagled on the Wembley turf, I believe, most of the Southampton defence. Um, but is the is the bearded ex-goon in danger of becoming something of a cult hero at Chelsea? Uh, in part two, we asked, should Conte have picked Willy Caballero instead of uh, Courtois? Why the booing for Bakayoko when he came on? Or were the boos aimed at Conte for taking William off? Uh, will prove why Hazard's season has not been as bad as he claims. And finally, I have a meltdown about Wembley being a shithole. Uh, in part three, we've got loads of the usual Chelsea news, including the Chelsea Supporters Trust annual survey, which I will be urging you to join and complete. Plus, uh, we're going to start with some of your emails, because we've got so many. I'm, I am determined this week, Jonathan, that we're going to catch up with the emails. So I've got loads yes. in tonight, and uh, part four, we'll do the rest of them. All right? So... Do not, yes, do not forget Bye. you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where of course you can join the superb amounts of people uh, that are already in there. I'm sorry if I'm hicking up a bit, but uh, I've just eaten a barbecued sausage and it's repeating on me as they do, you know, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, Anyway, in Mixler, we've got loads of the usual suspects. We've got Nick Lennartson, if she don't come, a fine man, who I had the pleasure of meeting in the Goose not so long ago. Uh, we've got Elliot Williams. We've got Tony Glover. Yeah. I've never heard of Tony Glover. Yeah. Anybody hey, know who Tony is? I know the name. No, yeah, no, no. Vaguely, yeah, vaguely. Uh, Johnny, no 
Yeah, Johnny Nohat. Uh, we've got Rob Coombe. We've got Adam Finnegan. We've got a few people whose names I don't recognise, actually. A blew up north. Is the timing out of sync? I don't know. If it is, uh, if it is uh, Jonathan, refresh. I don't mean yourself. I mean your uh, your Mixler feed. That would be my advice. Uh, loads and loads of the usual stuff. John Chips, Shed, Shed Upper Man, who, in fact, is the man behind the survey. But don't tell him I told you that. Uh, Andrew Self, Bonnie Rig Blues. Oh, I have so many. I mean, it's just a, it's delightful to have you sharing uh, a Monday evening with us. We are we are honoured and pleasured in equal measure. Uh, of course, you can always uh, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast during the show. Tell us what you think about the games, and uh, we will try. We will try, and uh, and see them. I, I I've also got some breaking news, people. By the way, in the minutes leading up to doing the show, uh, I have I have uh, written a new song for Olivier Giroud, and I will be sharing it with you uh, very soon. Uh, but before that, uh, Jonathan and I are duty-bound to tell you that uh, if you haven't had enough of us uh, by by kind of like half nine on a Monday, you can get another fix of us uh, on uh, on a Friday between seven and nine on the wonderful Chelsea Fancast Love Sport Radio show. Uh, however, this week we won't have Jonathan. I will tell you why later, but it'll be the lovely Dan who's on tonight and also Alex if she ever replies to my texts. Now, um, the best thing about this particular show, apart from its two hours of Chelsea uh, and us, um, not, maybe not such a good thing, but uh, what we would love you to do is to phone up. I mean, I know it's Friday night and I know that most sensible people will be out getting pissed in the pub. I mean, I would be. You know, I get that. But, you know, it's lonely in the studio with a Man United fan running the whole show. Phone us up. Yes, absolutely. Um, well said, JK. Oh um, what is the God, number, Jonathan? You, you've got me. I'm uh, 0208-702558. Is that it? All right. Uh, enough of that. Right. Okay. Lo- Love Sport Radio, of course, as you should know by now, it's broadcast on 558 AM. It's on your digital uh, <coughs> digital radio stations or digital channels, whatever you call them. You can listen to it also uh, on the uh, apps like Radio Player and TuneIn. Uh, it's great fun. We do enjoy it. So please tune in and definitely phone us up. We need you to phone us up. All right. After this very short break, we're going to be talking about the FA Cup. Okay, uh, we're back, of course, and uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the wonderful, uh, the, the Metal Giroux, the man to whom we have dedicated the show title to. Um, he's done it again. I mean, what can you say? He's done it again. Uh, but uh, it was a great goal. I mean, I, when I looked at that, I, you know, we, we all stood up. I mean, we were up in the gods, and we, we stood, and we were at that end, but we stood up, and, and you know, it, it kind of happened in slow motion. It was amazing. But I, I thought, looking back on it, it was quite Drogba-esque stroke. Uh, Ricky Veer actually sprung to mind. Uh, and he scored that goal for Spurs against Man City many, many, many years ago. But it was a thing of beauty. I, I, I've seen the gifts that have been doing the uh, doing the rounds. And I really feel that it, it should be played to the platoon music with all of these Saints players falling, falling in his wake. But the thing is, Jonathan... You know, I, I I believe that he's a he's an ama- he's a massive character as old Ollie Giroud. Well, what I, love I think about he's in danger of becoming the a cult hero for Chelsea. It's almost as if single-handedly he was saying, "Now come on, guys, we can't 
cart around with this team of uh, no-hopers that Southampton are. And uh, the effort he puts in is so commendable. He is clearly a top player. He really is. You know, we we didn't realise what a top player he was playing at Arsenal. I think mostly because the last few years he's only ever come on as a sub. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, as I've been saying for the last, on the on the fancast and on the on, on Love Sport, his, his ability to keep balls in play that are you think are lost causes is absolutely phenomenal um and and then you and then he reveals i'm i'm jonathan jonathan i'm, I'm glad i'm glad you you mentioned lost causes actually because it's really funny i turned around because i was with stuart stuart norman Stu, who used to be on the show years and years and years ago and pablo and i turned around to, to stuart about three times during the match, I said he is yeah. the patron saint yeah, quite, of Lost Causes. And also then he reveals room, he? a fantastic piece of skill. And you think, well, bloody hell, he's, he's clearly a top player. When, and having said that, though, you know, Wenger tends not to pick complete idiots to play for him, though occasionally he puts them in patterns and tactical formations that are idiotic. But uh, he makes you think, well, actually, yeah, we've got a really top player there for 18 million, a complete bargain. Um and, uh, you know, I think he got a bit injured, didn't he? He got kicked in the ankle. That He said that was why Morata came on. But it seemed to time it perfectly because then you've got the slightly mad Morata trying to prove himself, running around, expending all his energy. So suddenly Southampton have this other player rushing at them and he scores a great goal as well. So, you know... Uh... Yeah, you know, you know when uh, you know when Giroud got kicked by by uh, it was it was by Romeo. I I actually thought that Romeo should have been sent off for that. He was already on a yellow. He didn't he actually see it as a foul. Did Why he, the hell referee? didn't he get sent he, off? He left him lying on the ground, didn't he, Giroud? And he then had to he then yeah. came back for him and he had to go off. And uh, Southampton yeah. fans were all booing him when he came back on, but he was still limping about. Um, but yeah, he because he mm. he said when in fact he himself didn't even say it was a foul. He said mm. it was a. Um, you know, like a 50-50 ball that he connected with very hard. So um, I don't get the impression he blames players for getting stuck in. And I have to say, I don't think he's a he's a very competitive bastard. He's not a filthy bastard at all, Giroud. He's uh, he's got he's a very classy player. He's got great class. No. And as you say, I, he 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 already uh, is is becoming a real surprise package for me as being. Uh, a top player, and we never thought that. We thought slightly he was soiled goods, end of his career, not played much by Arsenal. But blimey, no, he's he's um, he's uh, he's pulling the cat out of the bag, as it were. Go oh, no, I'm yeah. He is, he is, he is. Um, Dan, I've got uh, I've got some very in, in interesting stats here. If, if there is such a thing as an interesting stat, but I'm going to read it to you anyway because I'm I'm cruel like that. But uh, Giroud has had a hand in 22 goals in his 26 FA Cup appearances. That's 15 goals and seven assists. That's more than any other player in the competition since his debut in January 2013. Oh, phenomenal stats. I mean, amazing. He's, he's, he's a great player. The problem with Wenger is he never he never played. They don't cross the ball, so they don't necessarily play to his strengths. And he gives us a real focal point of attack. And to get, you know, it's, it, now Arsenal had a great run in the cup the last few years, so his, his stats are brilliant. But he's, he's a big game player. And you see see what it means for him to score goals. So I think, you know, he's 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 done brilliantly for us. He's just, I love him. He's a handsome bastard as well, isn't he? He's got everything. He's got money, looks, yeah, everything. He is. He is. We'd all, yeah, yeah, we'd, We'd all like to be. We'd all like to be Olivier Giroud, and it's a great name too. It rolls off the tongue, <laughs> Olivier Giroud. It does. It literally rolls no, off I the like tongue. It. I agree. Um, I agree. Olivier it does, though, Don. I mean, Giroud. you know, Jonathan, you know about this kind of thing. Yeah. 
It does. It rolls off the tongue. It's lovely. I'm, I'm in love with this man, I'm, and I can't believe he played for Arsenal because I hated him when he played for Arsenal. And just goes to show how myopic and biased we all are as football supporters. I would not have it any other way. Um, right, uh, Ollie, I need to bring you in here for some sense and decorum. Uh, not that the others. Have, actually, the others have been very sensible and decorous tonight. So I don't know why I said that really. They have, haven't they? Um, listen, Old Fruit, um, you know, we've been clamouring uh, for the last few games, really, for, for Giroud to start. Um, you know, he did very well coming on, obviously, off the bench uh, against Southampton last week. He started this week and I thought actually did very well, led the line very well. You know, our theory really is that he's he's far more effective at leading the line, holding the ball up, playing the likes of William and Hazard in than Morata has appeared to be thus far. Um, you know, you're very close to things down at Cobham and get to speak to Conte a lot. Are you getting any inkling that he's he's more inclined to do that now? Do you think he's going to going to carry on playing Giroud uh, first and Well, I think when it comes to Conte, Morata I think using the old what? rubbish catchphrase that he'll use himself. He'll take it game by game. He he did, a, you know, he did sort of say after the semi-final, he was the sort of player that he wanted to bring in in January. Um, you know, that characteristic, that fight, that never say die attitude because you know, he he can get away with not scoring for a while. I think before the before the goals at Southampton in the in the league, he hadn't scored for about seven games. And if that was Murata, everyone would be on top of him. But because Giroud really puts in a shift for the whole team as well, he can get away with it a little bit. It's quite interesting when you talk about starting games though, because domestically, even though he's not he doesn't start a lot or he hasn't started a lot at Arsenal before he came to Chelsea. Actually for the French side, he starts quite a lot under Didier Deschamps. And when you think about the likes they've got, you know, Griezmann, Benzema um, you know, Thomas Lamar, Kylian Mbappe, all these big stars. It's actually Giroud who gets the start. And I'd like to see him start more. I think it was a really good choice to start him in the FA Cup semi-final. It'll be interesting to see if he starts both of them a bit more, as he suggested he might do like he did at Burnley. Um, so I think he might, he, he will probably go for, I think Giroud starts the final, personally. I think that he will, he'll be up there. He'll be leading the line from there. When it comes to the league games, I think Conte might switch it around a little bit more. Mm. I mean, you know, personally, I'd like to see him start. But now I'm kind of thinking like you are that, you know, the priority now is to win the FA Cup. So I, I wouldn't say wrap him in cotton wool. But, uh, I, 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 you know, in, in the games we have to win, I want him Chish, to start. But, Sorry, go on. Would you Chish, not Chish, say because please, I, please, no, come in. Spurs are going to be Spursy now. You know they are. No, because they might not win any of those three games. In which case we and also uh, uh, no, it's sorry, it's Liverpool have got three left, isn't it? And Liverpool might not win any of those three. I think now is a is a time they mustn't take the foot off the gas. Now, I mean, you, you have to remember as well when Leicester won the title, Spurs what, picked up two points in their last four games or something. Yeah. I mean, they do have something of a reputation of doing it. So even though it's a very, very, very outside <laughs> chance, I still think you've got to keep the keep some sort of uh, you know, as you say, foot on the gas a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, but I think, um, as, as Dan was saying there, there's always the possibility they bottle it. Mm. They, were, they were terrible in the second half against United at the weekend. I mean, they really lost it, you know, for no apparent reason you could see. And now po- Pochettino's um, making little comments in the press uh, this evening about how, uh, um, you know, the cup isn't as important and he might play the kids and, uh, and it's all about um, uh, the league position. Well, uh, you know, he sounded to me as if he might be on his bike. Um, I'm wondering whether he's been he's been uh, tapped up by Chelsea. You never know. Similar Pop career pattern. Game right back to Espanyol. They do really really well. The last six seven weeks of every season, they tend to shit the bed because they expand so much. Yeah, and also the, he's a choker. The demands mate. He's on a choker. players and by, perfect for Tottenham. You look at the history. You know, even Southampton, come sort of April May, 
the performance levels drops because they're busting their balls all season. They can't do it anymore. Yeah, good point, Dan. Good yeah. point, Dan. Very good. All right, all right, all right, all right. It's, 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 the moment has come for me to inflict on an unsuspecting audience the new Olivier Giroud song. Uh, but this is to the tune. I know me and Jonathan are old. Me and Jonathan are old, so we know we know the tune. The tune is Metal Guru from T-Rex. Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Scoring goals with his slick back hair. Oh, yeah. Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Oli Giroud, he's a blue. With him leading the line, we know that we'll be fine. Oh, yeah, Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Yeah, 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 Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Ollie I Giroux, wrote it, so he's I a blue. Yeah, 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 Oli Giroud, he's a blue. Yeah, 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 because that's the most catchy, catchy bit. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but, but you that's see, that's a chant, bit, not a song. You know? That's so. a chant, not a song, you know. Uh, well, let's see if it takes off. It won't, you know, because basically you have to be Walter Rotten, otherwise it doesn't catch on. Maybe I should have put it up as Walter. In a few drinks, record pub, share it with audit and share their life. People, just a few pick it. Exactly. If you didn't that, it like it, we don't it, do it for care. Cause that's how for us. It was the first start of the same exactly how with the chat as you'd have after in the pub game. He made to put it out. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, we're back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, I've got uh, Jonathan, of course, with me as always, and Dan Silver, and, of course, the wonderful Ollie Harbord from Football.London. And uh, this is a good juncture for me to remind you all to check out the Chelsea Fancast website, chelseafancast.com, full of wonderful people who write. Uh, there are too many to name them all, but uh, uh, they're lovely and I love them all. Uh, I don't write for it myself because uh, I'm, I'm rubbish, basically, but I will try and do some in the summer, I promise, when I'm not as busy. Um, one of the things that caused a weeny bit of consternation, uh, you know, kind of before kickoff, really, was the, was the fact that... Um, was the fact that Conte picked uh, Big Willie, uh, you know, who we kind of like, really. Uh, but uh, but not, I mean, you know, let's be really honest about this. He picked our second goalkeeper and not our first goalkeeper for an FA Cup semi-final. Surely, Ollie, you, you know, if you want to win the cup, you've got to pick your best keeper. So Obviously, there was that sentimental value a little bit. Uh, you know, he has done the, the business throughout the competition. He's, he's looked pretty good, you know, in some of the competition as well, in the penalty shootout and... What have you? You know, he has he has probably deserved the chance to at least go through it. Um, you know, I, I think it was also because of the the opposition as well. You know, if it was Manchester United in the semi final, I think he would have gone with Courtois over Caballero. I mean, it almost backfired a little bit. I do I do feel like if it had been United in the semi final, one of those top teams or Spurs, someone like that, then they then he probably would have gone with Courtois. I thought it was a bit odd that Courtois wasn't even on the bench though. Just because if if Caballero had gone down with the because Courtois was there, he was training before the before the game. He was warming up with the rest of the keepers. I thought it was a bit odd yeah. that Courtois wasn't on the bench. That in, in case Caballero did pick up an injury, uh, that he could have come on instead of Eduardo. Because you know you wouldn't want Eduardo really coming on in the FA Cup semi final. That's for sure. Mm, all very odd. I mean. You know, I, I, I hate to be harsh on Big Willie because he's he's been hugely entertaining in the few games he's played this season, and 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 actually okay to be quite honest. But Dan, I mean, you know, I I, I couldn't see this because I was too far away, I was right at the other end. 
Uh, but apparently he threw one in the goal uh, under a very slight challenge from Charlie Austin. From what I understand, all of the... Uh, you know, the TV pundits were going potty about it, saying it should have been a goal because it had gone over the line and it wasn't a foul. Apparently, Graham Pohl was saying it was. So there's been a huge amount of conjecture about it. And to be really fair to Southampton, just for them to have scored at that stage would have been really, really important. I mean, they could have, you know, they could have come back into the game. What? For you, you're very happy. It might be an argument where it's nice to get a decision from a referee. I think it was soft. But in today's game, the goalkeepers get so much protection. You, you know, go anywhere near them, the ref players will free kick straight away. So I'm not surprised surprised that he didn't you know he didn't you know he didn't um give the goal um can the ref, went, went to, the ref don't really out. care so, so? Mm. can i just add to as well that um you know i think mark hughes had he did have a fair yeah, point quite. after the game you know there's been yeah. so much talk about var and it was around in the game yesterday and that is one of the decisions you would have thought that var probably would have gone to um and he didn't go to it which was a bit odd and mark hughes obviously had his back up about that after the game um but, and that was a bit of a fair point it was just it, there was no sort of indication that he'd gone to VAR or even looked at it at all. So that was that was a bit odd. It's because it's the law. It was mm. absolutely obviously a foul, according to the law, because he backed into him on the line when he was in control of the ball. And that's a foul. No, I wasn't I wasn't too convinced, to be honest. Looking back, it's written, looking in, the back, it's written in the laws. If, if he if he's got hold of the ball and he's then... He's then pushed, in, it, regardless of how it happens, that's what he's going to be applying, the ref. That's why he didn't go to VAR, because mm. he's in control of the ball. And therefore, if he's pushed backwards by Austin, which he was, he's being pushed when in control of the ball. So that's, that's the law. That's why, that's why he didn't go to VAR. I think the more worrying thing, though, to be honest, is that this is, you know, we, we've seen that, that uh, Big Willie has a, has a slight issue with, you know, catching balls in the air. Uh, you know, he, he tends to make it far more complicated and scary for us than it needs to be. So I just wonder if, you know, I mean, I heard, I heard, uh, I heard a referee talking on Talk, Talk Sport today and, and he said oh, that the call oh. Atkinson made was very okay. subjective. So, you know, it just goes to show that on another day, on another day, it could have gone against us. But hey, it didn't. The other thing I would say was, I mean, uh, uh, Leon or Keon has just uh, made this point on Mixer. Willie made that unreal save too. I have to say, I don't think that was an unreal save. I think he got away with that because when we, again, we were a long way away. I should should put that caveat on there. But we couldn't believe the ball hadn't gone in. And when I watched it back on the on, on the replay, it, it kind of went under him, hit his elbow and scooted off. Hit the net, come back out, hit him and gone off for a corner. But it wasn't a corner, you know, and I thought he'd, he'd missed it and it actually bounced back out onto the pitch and gone off because I thought it was in. But yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, no, I agree completely. I, I felt that he uh, he didn't do his cause um, any good at all yesterday. And he looked like a reserve goalkeeper, um, which yeah. which was which was a shame because we've been championing his cause yeah. all the well, way Frank through, haven't we? So. Well, you know, frankly, 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 I hope that uh, Courtois plays in the final because, you know, whatever we think about old big nose Belgium, he's the best keeper we've got, and, say, and you need to start with your best quickly. players. Now, I just think, want to move on because there's a lot though, to cover. The way Go on, very quickly. Conte is managing at the moment, we're going to get some of these peculiar things happening, and I think it's the same with the Williams situation and uh, maybe and Bakayoko. Well, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Let's talk about Morata, shall we? Because that's what I want to talk about next. Um, 
Interesting, I thought. Uh, good goal. Very good goal, actually. Although, again, weirdly, that seemed to happen in slow motion, and I didn't really realise. I thought it had gone past the post, actually, when I watched it in real time. But uh, a good goal, nevertheless. Proper header, headed it down. Uh, but he missed two, you know, two straightforward chances, really, if I'm being harsh. But the interesting thing I thought about this uh, was that he, he looked very angry for most of the match. He looked like a man who had a point to prove. And and the thing that occurred to me, Dan, was that, you know, this is probably a good thing. I think maybe the idea that's got into his head that, his, his you know, he can't just expect to be the number one striker at the club. He's, no, he can't take his place for granted. And I like the fact he was angry, like after Burnley. You know, maybe he's a little bit at the top. I like the fact he's angry himself they did have a great performance so it's good it's good we need competition we can't go the whole season with one striker who's still adapting to the premier league he also needs to get used to we've said this time and time again to be a first choice striker he's only played i think 75 games before he came to chelsea he's never really been the main man but he's getting positions okay he's missing them but he's getting positions which is important for strikers and you know if you keep going over the course of the season you'll get as many as you miss and he's got i think he's Record is only just behind Costa's first season in terms of goals and assists. So he's not doing as badly as people make out. So I think he's only two goals and two assists behind Costa's first season. So he's not doing that badly. Well, it's just I think that's a really, really that's a really good point, Dan. I, do you know what? I mean, just generally, chaps. Actually, I've been reflecting upon this today. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, Gion's just put up the stat there: fifteen goals and six six assists in his first season. It's not too bad. And I think that's that. This is one of the problems with this season. You know, it's been very easy to get gloomy, negative, and disappointed. But if you actually shed away the emotional, uh, you know, engagement with all of this. The, the cold hard facts say something different. I'm going to talk about Hazard in this respect later, but you know, I think you've got a really good point there, Dan. You know, the stats don't lie, but uh, sadly, what we've also seen from him does. You know, in terms of his attitude and maybe our expectations, I think it's very, very peculiar. Um, Ollie, I want to talk to you very quickly ab- about something that really pissed me off at the time, uh, which will probably lead into the subs, which I know Jonathan's. A keen to talk about, and also there's an email about it, Jonathan. You're getting a, a bonus one tonight. Um, but I, I was talking to Stu and Pablo at the time, and we went one nil up, and then we immediately sat back. And I know why they're doing it, and 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 you know it's so they can hit teams on the counter, and that's all very well and good. It's it's a bona fide tactic. I I am under no uh, I, I'm absolutely certain that it's a tactic that uh, Conte drills into them, but it really really winds me up. When you're playing against a really good team, if you're playing against Man City or, or, or any of the other good big teams and you go 1-0 up, yeah, fine. Sit back. Hit them on the counter because you know they're going to come at you. When you're playing against a shit team with no confidence like Southampton and you go 1-0 up, get another goal. Get another two goals. Put your foot on the throat. Do not let them back. Go for the jugular. Trust yeah, me, I completely I'm, agree. The, it's the, the same with any why team, isn't they it, when you're that? watching and you're thinking that. And, and that's why I was so Surprised did you know uh, Willian for Bakayoko? Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised he brought off Willian at the time. I thought he was having a decent game, but if he wanted to switch it into a three-five-two, because he was obviously responding to sort of the substitutions of, of Redmond and, and Tadic, who are you know quite creative players for Southampton. But I'm surprised he didn't bring on Pedro for Bakayoko uh, for Willian. Sorry, just because like he he played against Burnley, he would have given you that option in the midfield, extra legs, but also he would have given you that extra pace on the counter. It's just a mentality thing, and it's it's not. I don't think that's the thing just for Chelsea. I think that's teams in general. Uh, I agree they shouldn't have done it. They should have just carried on the t- attack because they probably could have killed the game off quicker than they did. And it is a frustrating one for fans to see. 
I mean, you know, to be I, I, yeah, absolutely, and it certainly was for me. I, I have to be honest. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what Dan and J- JK say in a second, but I. I I wasn't that bothered about the substitution. I could kind of understand why he did it because, you know, he didn't make that substitution immediately after we scored. This, this had, you know, about 10, 15 minutes had passed. I think, I, you know, somebody will correct me, I'm sure. But Southampton were clearly getting back into the game and they were clearly getting forward and they were clearly getting through us. So I actually thought, you know, going to a 3-5-2, bolstering the midfield was actually quite a sensible thing to do. You know, I mean, it, it seemed like it was negative. It seemed like he was trying to shut the game down, but actually, he was trying to plug a plug a hole. So, I wasn't that that peeved about it. But um, the thing that really did piss me off, uh, and I think you too, Jonathan, actually, was this booing. Now, you know, there seems to be some conjecture as to whether people were booing Bakayoko coming on or booing Conte taking William off. I'll be honest with you, my first instinct was that they were booing Bakayoko, but I mean, I, I but ultimately they were booing Conte. Because I don't think they could right. make out who the sub was from uh, our side, and they were still booing because it was so far away you couldn't see. So most people were just booing the fact that it was William trotting off, uh, and, and that's what that's what it was to me. And then you realised it was Bakayoko, and I'm afraid they just carried on booing. But it was because William was playing so well. I thought William had a really good game. You know, he does that, that wonderful thing of beating players and surging forwards. And uh, for yeah. me, it was entirely that. I didn't. I think it was. I think when they realised that Bakayoko was coming on, who is you know isn't the same kind of player at all and has been out of form, um, that then it, it 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 didn't carry on that much. It it dissipated. It was just. It was for me. It was definitely William Williams uh, being being the man subbed. I think because people around me were saying, why isn't mm. he subbing someone else? Williams playing really well. That was the feeling that we got. So, uh, but uh, but but let but let's be honest mm. about Bakayoko. I watched him again. He's, I just don't get what's going on, and I don't know why the manager is bringing somebody on who is so clearly not involved. He is so worried about giving the ball away or even getting involved in a tackle in case he he fouls somebody, which is what happened previously when he got sent off. What game was that? I can't remember when he got sent off. Watford. Um, the Watford game, yeah, yeah, and he was so um, just completely off the pace. In the, well, he he was running well enough. The very fact that that now he seems to have gone into completely into his shell. It's a bizarre, bizarre experience watching him. Um, uh, so I'm bemused as to if the if the manager is aware that he's got this player who is just not really at the moment up for it. Why is he being selected when these when he's got Somebody will make a connection, like Barkley. Barkley, who well, will make an effort more. Than... Bizarre. This is like as I put on Twitter last night, which I have to say I got a lot of flack and stick for. For me, it's like watching somebody from the under eleven having a go in the first team at school, and you can't, you know, and they're just out of their depth. He seems absolutely mm. just not. Just he's so scared of mm. making a mistake. He doesn't do anything but pass forwards. Well, should we should we should we just read should we just read this email out because it goes into this I think really really yeah. beautifully. It's from a lovely guy called Stefan Anastasi, who I think we've heard from before actually. But he says, "Dear Chidge in the gang, having just got home from my solo six-hour round trip to Wembley from West Yorkshire, <laughs> bloody hell, and I was moaning about my journey. Um, I wanted your opinion on what soured a good day out for me. The reaction to the William Bakayoko substitution." I thought the booing from what seemed like a majority of our fans was disappointing. Absolutely. Having been a regular to games for over 20 years, I've never once booed my team, my own team or any decisions by, made by the manager. We are fans and need to get behind the team. 
There's a reason the players' managers get paid the millions they do. The reaction of many of the fans around me was not for William coming off, but for Bakayoko replacing him. Bakayoko has been a bit of a scapegoat in parts this season. I will admit he had a, uh, more than a poor game against Watford, but was one of the best players against United at home this season. He's only young, and his yeah. treatment so far this season seems to have shot his confidence to pieces. I hope he turns this around and makes those fans eat their words. Anyway, rant over. To end on a positive, a clean sheet and another trip to Wembley to look forward to. Bring on United. Up the Chels. Um... I think that brilliantly encapsulates what we were talking about in a sense. And, I, I, you know, Tony, I know, was going absolutely apoplectic on Twitter, Jonathan. Uh, you know, if he was very much in the they were booing the substitution like you were. Don't, you know, look, but, you know, so that's, so basically either they were booing back a Yoko but they were, or they were booing the fact that Conte no, was taking a million off. I, I think either it's way, Conte's fault. It shouldn't be booing. Because people aren't, because the, the team hasn't done well since January and we think, everybody thinks he's going, there's a there's a feeling that, that he, he's not completely in control of what's going on. And I think that was actually a boo against Conte. It's not a boo against Bakio. The flack I got was I, I got last night was well, why are you are. hating Bakayoko? We won, and and uh, and several people came in defending me, saying, "Well, all we're doing is just you know looking for the fact we're we're looking at, at aspects of the game that didn't work. We're not being we don't hate anybody. We don't hate Bakayoko. We want him to do well, as as is, as uh, as uh, it, as is said here. He he you know as Stefan said, he played well. Um, against United, he played well against Spurs at the beginning of the season. Something has happened to him, but it shouldn't mean that he then gets a game. To me, and it I, should. No, Jonathan, I, I think that you know, it's like riding a bike. You've got to get back on. Throw, you've got to throw him into mix. You can't leave him out on the sidelines. He came in, did anything not, special. Not in the semi-final. Not not in a game like this. I don't think any any games this season anymore. Surely you give Barkley a go. Yeah, but what was that? You know, Barkley's, Barkley's just come back from injury and his hamstrings dodgy. I don't think Bakio did anything wrong, no, did anything spectacular. He's injured as well. I think when he came on um, the last couple of games, even Burnley did okay. Listen, he's obviously very nervous and very scared, but he got the ball, just very simple. And I get it. It's his, it's his first season, you know, in, in, in the new league. He's still young, he's still got a lot to learn. And maybe, you know, the whole Monaco thing was a bit of a, you know, like a the Leicester thing, where it's all really beautiful and perfect storm. It's going to take time to adapt. I think the only way you can get his confidence back is by putting him in the team for 20 minutes and having a positive outcome like Burnley, like Southampton. And maybe that just will start building his confidence slowly, slowly. Well, you know, listen, he's, he's, he hasn't, he's massively underperformed from what we expected, but the whole team has as a whole. So it's quite, to, to, you know, to, you know, to pick individuals when the whole season's not been particularly brilliant from anybody. Listen, a fi- final, final point, final point on the back, final point on the back of Yoko thing. I mean, you know, I have to say is I think one thing he did do when he came on, which is he gave us a little bit more energy and we looked defensively a little bit more solid because, you know, when you're playing Fabregas in a two, you know, the man's got no legs, you know, and, and we do look vulnerable to being cut through through the midfield. So I, And I think he did the same, actually, uh, when he played against Burnley for the same reason. I want to move this on to Hazard because uh, uh, I was really odd because I did the paper review for Love Sport on, on Sunday morning and there was a lot of... Uh, a couple of big columns about Hazard coming out with this, I, I, you know, I fess up to have being shit most of the season, which I thought was really odd. I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm not sure if I felt comfortable with him coming out with that. But of course, you know, he turned up, semi-final, big game, uh, got man of the match. Um, and that, I found these stats today, which, is, which fascinated me. Um, and, and this is compared to all of the other Chelsea players this season. 
He's got the most goals with 16, the most assists with 11, the most successful dribbles with 211, whatever that means. Uh, he's got the most Man of the Match awards with 14, the most chances created at 124, and the most key passes at 113. Um, no, or, it's, or it's is not. It? When you look or at the cold facts like that, I don't, I don't think it is. I think, I think he's not had a great 2018, particularly in his eyes. I think that's what the what he was basically suggesting as well. And maybe in some of the bigger games, he hasn't quite, you know, obviously the Barcelona games in his mind are sort of, of games he should be performing at his very top level and he hasn't been. Um, I don't think it's any, you know, surprise that when he's not really on his game, that Chelsea struggle as well, at least this season, you know, they've not had the sort of players around him to, to really, to really pick up the pick up when he's been dropping off in form as he would see it as well. I thought on, on Sunday, he was absolutely sensational again. He really looked like he wanted it. I think that was the thing. You know, he was picking up balls from deep. He was in his best position for me, which is coming in off that left, picking up balls and running at players and just, just not stopping, you know, keeping hold of the ball when he wanted to. And also shooting from range as well. He wasn't trying that little pass and last pass. He was trying to actually score from the edge of the box and almost did a couple of times. I think, you know, he just sets himself up on a very high level. And I... I personally didn't have anything wrong with what he said about himself because he wasn't, you know, criticising anyone else. He was criticising himself and he knows how high his standards have to be. Wonderful the last two games. I thought he was great in the semi-final and I thought he was great against Burnley. Uh, and it, it, it looked... Um, I, I think his own attitude is that when he's on song, like in the two get last two games he has been, that's the level that he wants to perform at. And he doesn't feel that he's been achieving that this year, this, this 2018. And I agree with him because he's not he's not been running it in many games and he should be running it. Um, so I think he's he's his own um, worst critic, but correctly so. So uh, and I, I and I, I think it hasn't helped that the rest of the team um, haven't been on song as well. Uh, and I think it's 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 down to the atmosphere that's been in the club since January. Um, but somehow they've whether Giroud has uh, has somehow managed to kickstart them. Um, this is why I'm so keen for them to try and play and win every single game, because I still think they might get into the Champions League. Um, whether that means that uh, uh, they have to pay Conte off even more, because I suspect there was a clause in his contract that said he would have to get Champions League each year and if he didn't get it he'd be paid less um, but uh, I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant against Southampton um, uh, and mm -hmm. as with the layoff for Giroud's goal was just quite phenomenal mm -hmm. how he got that ball out of the air and just uh, off, even off balance managed to lay it off um, uh, and when he plays like that you understand what a completely wonderful player he is uh, but he sets his own level to me um, and if he doesn't play up to that, we're 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 not, you know, we're we're disappointed, aren't we? And uh, I don't I don't think he's been playing as well as that. So I think he's correct with his own um, criticism. But as you say, his his not playing terribly well is still excellent, but not by his own standards. Dan. Um, what, what do you think about that? I mean, the other thing, actually, I want to ask you, Dan, as well as that. I mean, by all means, you know, pick up uh, from where we left off on the hazard stuff. But uh, I, I like Jonathan's point, actually. And it's one of the things I've, I've been thinking about since yesterday, which is, I mean, ha have we got our mojo back? Um, we, we've suddenly, in the last couple of games, looked more like the team we know and love. And, I mean, let's, yeah. you know, semi-final, doesn't matter who you're playing, it's, it's going to be a tough match. 
and uh, and Burnley are no mugs. So, you know, I wonder if we can go on a run and win our four games. And yeah, dare I say it... 20 minutes to Southampton when we scored the three goals. You know, going back as far as that, we look a lot more like, you know, the Chelsea of old. It looks like Conte's got a bit more yeah. dynamism on the sidelines. He's a little bit more passionate. Listen, maybe, maybe there's been something going on behind the scenes where, you know, everything's suddenly all rosy. Maybe Conte will be here next season. Maybe it's going to be a, you know, Conte season one back for next year. But Hazard, I think, is not playing false nine. He knows he's going out there playing his favourite position, mm. and he can he can run the show. And he's got Giroud, who's intelligent enough to you know play, understand his game. Because quite often you see Hazard make runs or make balls, and nobody makes a run, and he gets really frustrated. He's now got somebody up top who gets his game and will take advantage of all, all his skill. But no, Hazard in full flow is just a joy to watch. I mean, he's such, as Jonathan said, he's such a talent. And also, listen, I'm going to be very cynical. He's got the World Cup coming up. So, you know, that hasn't seemed to put his, you know, put himself in his show in case he gets injured. He's like been going all at it. I mean, the Burnley cameo was brilliant. The way he was just absolutely piss at everybody was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan and I were talking about that on the Love Sports show on Friday. I was comparing him to George Best in the way that the ball was stuck to his foot and he seemed to have seven Burnley players running after him like school kids. It was, you know, on his day, superb. Um I just think you know, I think the, the hump that we get is the fact that I think our expectations of him, as they are with Chelsea, are very high, and uh, you know, and he needs to be more consistent. I think, but there you go. Listen, um, we need to big this up. You know, the bottom line is we're in a we're in another FA Cup final, another FA Cup final, unbelievable. Nine, that's nineteen apparently, nineteen Credit. finals in twenty five years, which is just a staggering achievement. I think. Uh, it is, isn't it? You know, when you think about what we had to suffer for years and years and years. I mean, Ollie, um, here, here's the big question, though. Um, you know, is uh, or w- you know, will winning the FA Cup? Let, let's say we don't make top four, which, let's face it, is, is highly unlikely in my view. If we do win the FA Cup, will it will it mitigate what what some feel have been a disappointing season? Although, as far as the club go themselves, uh, you know, if you're think if you're the board or whatever, you would probably say no, it wouldn't because. I think for the club getting into the Champions League and what that what that means as a as a club is probably bigger these days than it is the FA Cup. I think for fans it might be slightly different. I think you know coming away with some silverware when you look at the likes of again Spurs not being able to do that, then you obviously have a different atmosphere on it. Uh, personally, I think it won't quite mitigate the other disappointments. I think just the fact that you you would have hoped for a bit more of a fight in the league. Um, you know, I don't think anyone could have predicted quite what City would have done this year. They've absolutely blown away with it. Um, but, you know, you would have thought that unless they do get into that top four in, in the final like last few games, but I don't, I'm still don't think they will. You know, I'm not sure it quite mitigates the other disappointments. Mm. I mean, I think on the other hand, if we do lose to United, it it will be a total bummer. I mean, it was bad enough last year losing to Arsenal when we were expected to win, but to lose to Mourinho and United in a final, which means that we've lost the FA Cup final, we lost to Arsenal in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup, we lose to Barcelona in the Champions League, and we effectively, you know, finish fifth to Spurs being fourth. That will be a disappointing season in my (sighs) book, Jonathan. Yes, Um but uh, oh, I don't know. We can't expect to. It, it's it's one of the lows, isn't it? Because because uh, for for a low season to have us still be in the in the in the cup finals, not bad, is it? When you analyse it and you think of it. so. Uh, um, but I, no. I, you know, you know me, ever the optimist, the way things are, I just think we'll do we'll do really well next year. I think we have a really 
and if if everybody plays, if everybody plays well, then he 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 whoever the new manager is just changes it around a bit. I think I think we've got a a really fantastic side. It's this keeping them playing. It's keeping them up to it. I'm a, I was taken aback by the Burnley performance. I thought we were brilliant. You think well, clearly if we can play that, well, they didn't. They couldn't deal with it. Uh, what was it that the appalling Ashley Barnes at the end was shaking his head in despair because they'd been completely outplayed, and and that is that was you know their seventh. They 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 it was their, they won five in a row, and yet there we were all over them. They got a lucky goal and we went straight back up the other end and scored, which is what we used to do last year. And you think, well, okay, if the team can play as well as that, as you say, for whatever reason, wherever that came from, that is a top side. Now, all they need for me is a couple of really excellent purchases. Now, all the gloom and doom merchants are saying that if we're in the the, uh, the Europa League, we won't get them. I think you offer and people if it's a if it's a top manager with uh, with a lot of money and the prospects of being in the Champions League the following year, you'll get top players to come in. And all they need for me is a couple of really of, of similar similar huge purchases, which he's likely to do, um, Abramovich, well, the, the club, the board and Abramovich, because they won't let it descend. They won't let it, they won't let us go into it. They won't Arsenalify it. I really have faith in that. And I, I, I just think next year we'll be challenging again. And as, and as I just said, if it's, if it's a, if this is a low season, well, I'm happy, you know, because <laughs> it's a, it's allowed us to look at how the, the, the team might develop and what the possibilities are. And, and I look at uh, some of the low needs and you think, well, actually, some of them are playing really well. It would be interesting if they make a decision to have them back next year. So, um, uh, no, I think I think uh, it, it, it's a it's an, been a, it's an optimistic season and we haven't finished yet. We still may win the FA Cup and we still may get into the Champions League. So it's not all over yet. <laughs> I agree. I love it. A bit of optimistic JK. We should frame it. Um uh, Dan, uh, you know, Conte came out afterwards and said that uh, that we're the uh, the underdogs against uh, United. I mean, I mean I'd, I'd rather lose to Mourinho than to Tottenham. So from that perspective, I'm quite pleased you got United in the final. Um, listen, for me, FA Cup over, you know, coming fourth. Yeah, definitely. Because the second, third and fourth is, is really, you know, you, you know, you don't even get a medal in the Olympics if you come fourth. I think it's, it's become an Arsenal thing to come fourth. I mean, the Champions League is divided anyway because you've got all these teams in it. So for me, FA Cup and fifth would be an OK season because it's still a trophy. There's still, you know, more trophies than anyone finishing above us, maybe the exception of Liverpool if they were the Champions League. So for me, it's it'd be FA Cup in a fifth spot. OK, disappointing league campaign, but it's a trophy. And that's ultimately what we're judged on, is winning trophies. And and ultimately, Dan, it's what we remember, isn't it? You know, I mean, I don't, you know, it just shows yeah. you what a disconnect is there is between the board, who it's all about the money, and us, who, you know, we just want to win That's shit. And winning an FA Cup, my cup will be running over. If we win the... Listen, I'm just going to bring it all right down because I, 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 I can do that and I'm cruel. Um, but the absolute nightmare scenario for us will be having had a season where we finished fifth, we lost to Arsenal in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Uh, sorry, the Carabao Cup. We lose to Barcelona in the in the Champions League. We lose to Man United in the FA Cup. Arsenal win the Europa Cup and Liverpool win the Champions League. I think I might just top myself if that happens. Maybe not. But anyway, let's lift the mood a bit. Let's lift the mood with a classic old, little bit of like classic moments from the Chelsea fan cast of days gone by. Chidge on an epic rant. Here we go. Strap yourselves in. Ready? Go. I, I'll tell you what, mate. You know, apart from, I mean, I had great fun yesterday. Don't get me wrong. Nothing like seeing your side win a semi-final at Wembley. It's great. But 
what an absolute shithole Wembley is. Bloody hell. I mean, we, we, we left the pub, the tea, uh, I don't know, about two o'clock. Quarter to two. No, we did not leave the pub at quarter to three, Dan. We left the yeah. pub at about quarter that, yeah. to two. Did we leave at quarter to two? All right. We left at quarter to two. Okay, that's an hour and a quarter before kickoff. All right. Um, we got to the... I mean, by the time we'd fucking walked, the miles we had to walk from Wembley Central, uh, we got to gate E and uh, there's a huge queue to get in and, and it's now about 10 minutes before kickoff. Basically, I didn't get into my seat until about 20 past three. So I missed the first 20 minutes queuing up, having to get into Flaming Wembley, number one. Two, you get in there... And, I mean, the atmosphere's rubbish. I mean, you know, everybody's sitting down behind the goal. Aggressive stewarding, making sure everybody's sitting down. Absolutely no sensible seating of supporters, you know. I don't know why the club do this, but they and, and I've had chats with them about it, and they said, oh, yeah, but you see, you get people who don't want to stand up and want, and want to be part of the atmosphere sitting behind the goal. Well, why don't they just make sure that the Matthew Harding lower season ticket holders and the Shed lower season ticket holders get priority to sit behind the goal? It would make everybody's life a lot easier and a lot happier because the atmosphere is pants as a result, and that's just, just, and that's just during the game. After the game... It's an hour. It takes an hour to get from, you know, from your seat to the tube because you're held back. And I understand. Again, I understand. It's a great system. They keep people in a queue so that the tubes don't get overcrowded. By the time I got on, you know, got to the tube, I got straight on a tube, got a seat. Hardly anybody there. All very nice. Thank you. But queuing for an hour when you're knackered, you've had enough and you want to go home. Crazy. It took me an hour and 45 minutes to get from Wembley to Pimlico. All right. So let's say, and I couldn't have a drink because I had to drive home to Winchester. It took me less time. It took me less time to get back to Winchester from Pimlico as it did to get from Wembley to Pimlico. Had I wanted to go out on the piss like I normally do, it would take me an hour and a half to get to a pub that I would want to drink in with my mates. What? No, I want to be in a pub within 15 minutes, thank you, so I can revel in the victory and get drunk on it. So bottom line is this, people, at the end of my epic rant... Um, if Chelsea Football Club go to Wembley Stadium as their temporary ground, that is it. That is when I bail out. Thank you. Been great. I'm off because I am not going to go there under any circumstances. I am not going to buy a season ticket to go and sit at Wembley, frankly. And that's before I get onto the final, the cup final tickets expense, which are an absolute bloody extortion. Oh, God, I could go on, but I won't. And But it started, it started at Marylebone. Because when I got to Marylebone at about two minutes past two, they only had two trains. One was the 2.13 to Aylesbury, and the next one was a 2.30 Wembley special, which would have meant we'd have all arrived there at half time um, because of the fact that you had to queue to get into the ground as well. And because there were so many complaints, yeah. they discovered a train on Platform 5 that they could use, which uh, everybody, because everybody, of course, was amassing on the concourse, so they let everybody in and they got on that. And we got there at about uh, at about half past two, 25 two. And I exactly the same problem. I then got in with two minutes to go before kickoff. And that was still getting a train at 2.17 because of the queuing. Why did it take so long to get in? I know they have to, to they, they were, what they were doing now was frisking and they're looking in bags. And, um, and everybody takes an eternity to insert their tickets, which always takes about three goes for it to be read. So you've got that happening to start off with. And then on the way back, as you say, 
they they don't have enough trains. They don't send enough trains for in, initially, so you're stuck in that windy bit to Wembley. So I gave up Sunderland and I walked. I walked all the way back to the underground at, at Wembley, Wembley uh, Central, whatever it is, and uh, to find there were no queues there at all. So perhaps the answer is for people not to go back via Marylebone, but to go back through the tube, because you'll get a train, there are more tube trains. And I had a very interesting chat with somebody. There was a, um, a black guy um, outside a cafe wearing a, a tricorn hat. And I said to him, you know, and, and I said to him, excuse me, I said, it's a bit odd. I was walking by <laughs> limping paths because of my bad Achilles limping paths. I said, why on earth are you wearing such an excellent hat? And he said, it's because I'm a pirate, he said. And I said, really? <laughs> really? He said, yeah. He said I, he was selling um, uh, uh, beef jerky in this little cafe outside. Um, he said, yeah, I'll go to in May. I'll go down to... Uh, um, I go down to a place in uh, Devon and I'm a pirate for three days and I drink a lot of rum with my wife and we have a very good time and I say aha a lot and uh, and then I come back. I said, oh, that's fantastic. I said, and your hat suits you. He said, you should come down sometime. I said, well, funnily enough, I've done all the, I've done Captain Black at Orton Towers. I've done my pirate voice. He said, really? I must take your picture. So he took my picture, said his name was Mark and he said, I don't actually do this for a living, being a pirate or, um, or, sell it, or selling beef jerky. It's my wife's cafe. He said, I'm a builder. He said, I'm a very successful builder, but I don't really care about that much. He said, but here, I have my, here's some picture. My name's Mark. Uh, next time you come back, have some uh, some uh, beef jerky. And I said, thank you very much, Mark. And I went merrily on my way. And it was a nice little addition to uh, to the day, having one. But um, once I got to the tube, nobody there at all. Just got on a train. Mm. Meanwhile, everybody else is, is still queuing. But mm. it's down to um, it's down to everybody else's organisation, isn't it? It's down to... to uh, um, whoever the the uh, the network rail is for for there, the, uh, um, they're not sending enough trains. Um, they're not dealing with it well enough. Uh, so the communications aren't working. So yes, I agree completely. It's it's it, it's really badly handled that. But but I suppose the answer is you've got to go via via tube. Um, but I think they're dealing they deal with that better. Mm. Well, I had I had to I had to yesterday because I wanted to get back to Pimlico, and basically that's a lot less bother than going down the Baker Lee line. But I mean, you know, it really is a load of arse gravy to quote Tony Glover. Look, there's one thing that we can do to, to sort out the atmosphere issues and the, you know, I mean, because basically when you get a game where you've, you've got people sitting down who want to sit and people standing up who want to stand up, it's going to, it leads to, I mean, I remember the 2008 League Cup final. There were fights all over the place because of this. So if you want to sort this out once and for all, then I, I order you, I'm not asking you, I'm ordering you to go on Twitter to at SafeStandingRS and sign the Safe Standing petition. Uh, the wonderful John Darch is doing a great job on this, and uh, I think they only need about 10,000 signatures to get it up to 100,000. Look, without without getting into this, because I, I, we need to wrap this part up massively, but I, I'll try and do it as briefly as I can. The government... They they are idiots, basically. They're ignorant. They do not know the facts. And I think that there's something going on between them and the Premier League because the Premier League came out last week categorically saying that they were not in favour of it. The Premier League are in hock to the clubs. So there's some weird little cabal going on, I think, with some of the clubs, the Premier League and the government. Now, when the government say that there's a vocal minority and the Premier League said they've done a survey, anybody here, or put your hands up if you were surveyed by the Premier League. Yeah, I thought so. Well, apparently there's only 5% in their survey that say they want to have safe standing. So there's something fishy going on in my book. Uh, but anyway, let's keep keep the pressure up because that's 
you know, that's what we've got to do. Anyway, we must move on because we are running over time. And I want you to read all the emails tonight, Jonathan, because I want to have a catch up. Right, uh, talking of which, part three, uh, there'll be a little bit of Chelsea news from yours truly, including, as I said, the uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust's annual survey. Uh, and then uh, we've got oodles of emails, some, uh, some about uh, the cup match. So we've got some current ones and we've got a few catch-up ones. And more interestingly of all, the wonderful Paul Robinson, who got Jonathan so riled up last week, has written a response. More later. I do. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the ye old Chelsea Fancast. Uh, there's a reason for me saying that, which I'll reveal yeah, in a minute. Um, but it's good yeah. to be back. I've got Jonathan Kidd with us. I've got hello. Uh, hello. I've got uh, the lovely Dan Silver with us, and uh, we've also got the uh, very erudite and lovely young man that is Ollie Harbord from Football London. So there we go. Right. Um, of course, uh, a, a quick reminder: go and check out ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, lots and lots and lots of great material that goes up there in Mixler tonight. I know we've got uh, we've got um, a blue up north, uh, Jonathan who writes for us very, very regularly. And we've also got our editor, my boss, uh, the lovely Hion Carbis, who apparently was hobnobbing it in corporate hospitality in the in Club Wembley in the Ring of Indifference on uh, on Sunday. But uh, fair play to, uh, for, to Hion. He got, a, he got a ticket to the game. That's all that counts. Sent some lovely pictures on our, our Twitter feed about that. So well done, Hion. 
Right, uh, parish notices, as uh, Tony Glover likes to likes to say, on the wonderful podding shed, which you should check out. Um, it's much better than this show. Uh, anyway, uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Uh, do join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It is free, absolutely free, to join up and be a member. But uh, if you want a nice shiny badge... And if you want to be able to vote in the meetings or go, uh, you know, vote in the elections and go to our meetings, and you need to pay us a fiver, all very easily done by signing up at the uh, the website chelseasupporterstrust.com. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Now, uh, one of the things that's very important for the trust is that every year they do a survey for everybody. We we changed the rules last year. It used to be just for the membership. Now it's for anybody who who is a Chelsea supporter who wants to you know vent their spleen and get their feelings known so uh, we've now launched it for the members went out to the members last week and it'll be open to uh, anybody to complete uh, this week i believe all you have to do is to go to chelseasupporterstrust.com or at chelsea s trust on twitter or chelsea supporters trust on facebook and you will find uh, information on where to find the link to the survey uh, now the survey will run to the end of May, and it's very important for us as it gives uh, gives the trust an idea of where, really where the supporters stand on various issues such as ticket access and pricing, kickoff times and fixture scheduling, safe standing, the redevelopment, all of that atmosphere, you name it. It's all the big supporter issues, things that piss you off that you need to be sorted. Uh, so go and fill it in. Uh, as I said, end of May uh, we'll run it too. We need as many people to to, to complete it and and sort it out as possible so there you go you have been so ordered to do so now uh, other thing that you should do if you haven't already um is to to get a cpo share chelsea pitch owners of course who were uh, who own the freehold of stamford bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that chelsea will always remain playing football at stamford bridge a laudable aim if you want to buy a share they've been reduced from uh, 100 quid to 25 i believe so they're a lot cheaper to buy uh, if you want any info on that, go to info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out the uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners page on the Chelsea FC website. They are on Twitter at Pitch Owners. Now, I do believe uh, that the last uh, issue of CFC UK for this season will be out shortly, and possibly uh, for the next game, which will be Swansea away. Uh, I've, I've done a very non-football piece this uh to end the season i'm kind of bored of writing about football so i've written about something else actually it picks up quite a lot from the kirk brandon interview that i did la- uh, last week and by the way i've released the full kirk brandon interview uh, as a podcast if you'd like to hear that he was great really fascinating bloke but there's a my article is very much about punk and chelsea so there you go check that out when it comes out um you should be able to get that of course at the cfc uk stall opposite fulham broadway on a match day if you can't get to the game, you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, uh, you can get it there um, by going to at cfcuk or USA on Twitter. Uh, or you can contact Dan Lundberg at dlundberg underscore. And last but by no means least, uh, Patreon. We've got this website where if you, you know, a bit like the, uh, the fanzine, it only costs... A pound, only a pound. If you want to contribute to the running of this show, you can uh, sign up to Chelsea Fancast's Patreon page, be a patron, and uh, donate whatever you want. I mean, there's no pressure. You don't have to do it at all. I mean, I'm, you know, if you, if you don't ask people, then they won't do anything. So if you ask, some do. And if you want to say thank you, contribute, then you can. Uh, and you can do that by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and many, many thanks. I should say this. I don't say this enough, but massive thanks to all of those who do donate. I, I am working. I will think about it over the summer as to what lovely little things that we can do that are extra for you guys. 
Um, we had the absolute pleasure, as Dan will, will yeah. validate, of meeting Philip from uh, Norway uh, before the game on uh, on Sunday. And he is a Patreon member. He donates to the show. And a lovely chap he is. And it was lovely to get to meet him. And so he was, wasn't he? I was I'll tell you, actually, while I'm talking about it, I also bumped into Mirko, who is the mad German that I had a photograph taken of holding the cup, in a, like a foil cup, at a semi-final years and years ago, or even a far, I think it was the Everton mm. final, actually, at the Victoria, and wearing his lederhosen, uh, he was there again. And I said to him at the time, I said, you're a good omen to see you, Mark, Mirko, and, and absolutely he was, so there you go. So all good stuff. Now, final couple of parish notices, uh, which are very, very important. The first one uh, is that it is a certain gentleman's oh, birthday oh. on Friday, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Uh, we won't have the chance to say happy birthday to you in person on Friday on the Love Sport radio show because you, of course, are not on it because it's your birthday. So uh, can I just thank you very much. Say a very happy I will, in fact, initially be at the, uh, the fans forum meeting, um, which is at seven, which I'm then going to go to and then go out after that. Uh, uh, but uh, I will bring up this whole business of uh, match tickets at Wembley and the seating because I have that power. And I'll mention it. It may go in one ear and out of the other but uh, and this is my last venture in the fans forum because I've done two years on it this is for uh, all the hospitality areas but you get the ability to to comment on uh, a variety of of um, wide issues excuse me so I shall mention I shall also speak about safe sanding I'll find I'll, I'll pick their brains about that as well mm-hmm. so um I'll see what, what news I can get. But thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you. That's very nice. To, to... Pleasure, mate. You're getting a lot of love on Mixler, actually. Uh, Vinda Blue says, happy birthday. Hion does. Uh, Bonnie Rig Blue says, sound at last. I don't think he's referring to your birthday somewhat. <laughs> Dan, no, Dean, uh, Dean Mears says, 65 again. Uh, happy oh, birthday. John Chips Chiverton says, 75. happy 70th birthday. Yeah. Uh, so there we yeah. go. You're 75? Both. Okay, lovely. That's that's oh, IQ size. or age? Okay, good. Jonathan, yeah. look. <laughs> <laughs> waist size, that's very rude. And also not true. <laughs> very funny, though. Jonathan, I mean it absolutely. You're such a star on this show. We, it wouldn't be the same without you. So uh, have a great birthday, mate. We'll raise yeah. a glass to you wherever we are. But Dan and I will be working hard doing the Love Sports show. So hopefully we'll raise a quick glass to you, you afterwards. But to have a smashing birthday, mate, and enjoy the day. Now... Uh, the day after, which is the 28th of April, believe it or not, it's also happy birthday to the Chelsea fan cast who will be 10 years old this Saturday. Now, in dog years, that's about 173, as Jonathan and I figured out last week. But 10 years, we will be celebrating 10 years of doing the fan cast on Maybe. Saturday, the 28th of April. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll have, have a belated <coughs> a belated Chelsea fan cast 10th anniversary party sometime in the summer. I will put my large brain towards this very important and momentous occasion. But Jesus Christ, 10 years. There's not many, you know, we'd be like Coronation Street. We'd be doing it when we're like 80 or something at this rate. But uh, it would make me Ken Barlow, wouldn't it? I'm not sure if I'd like that. Probably wouldn't I be more like Pat Phoenix? Although she is dead, isn't she? So maybe not. Uh, I never really watched, uh, not being a northerner, sorry northerners, I've I've never uh, never watched uh, Coronation Street ever. I can safely say that. Yes, John. I think the Atlas is a great venue. We'll do it. We'll do a party. I'm, I'm determined. We will do a party when, when we're basically in the middle of summer and we're all missing football. We all need to see each other for a drink. I think that'd be a cracking idea. I will get to work on it. I promise. Right. Enough of me waffling on. Uh, Jonathan, we have one, two, three, four 
stupendous emails to get through. Dear Chidge, JK and team, uh, good old Russ. Um, the benefit of being secretary of a supporters club is the ability to buy a cup final ticket. Oh, good. Should we set one up? Can you help me justify the travel of 10,000 miles from Melbourne to London and back, as I'm very tempted to do it? 50 hours of travel for 40 hours in London. The missus may not be too chuffed with the idea. You only live once, though, right? Regards, Russ Saunders, MCSC. That's Melbourne Chelsea Supporters Club. P.S. I can't do the mixer since the clock's changed, unfortunately. 4 a.m. start here for British Standard Time. Well, I would say, I would say, Russ, yes. Yes, do it and bring the missus. Uh, then you won't have a problem, will you? Um, and uh, 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 we'll look after him, won't we? On the uh, on the day, we'll meet him. Oh, yeah, and, uh, nice guy. Yeah, lovely. And uh, you've been, you've met him in Melbourne, haven't you, uh, Dan? No, no, over here. Over here. Okay, okay, good stuff. Yeah. But I always think I think it's a great thing to do to come watch a cup final, particularly if that we might win it. You know, I think that's fantastic. Um, that you do. You... I, I I always remember. Sorry, Jonathan. I I always remember. Um... I think it was before the Everton final again. And, you know, we, we broadcast the fact that we, we meet in the Victoria pub before in Paddington. And um, uh, this lad, love, who's become a great friend, actually, but one of the people who, you know, listened to it regularly and heard us saying this, and he lives he lives in Montreal. And he basically, because he heard us talking about drinking beforehand in the Victoria pub in Paddington, he basically just got on a plane and just came to see he turned up he turned up in the pub he didn't have a mat he didn't have a ticket for the final or anything he just turned up he said i just had to be here it sounded like it was going to be so much fun i just had to be here so he got on a plane and came over really just to see us in the pub i mean how how mental is that so look russ if 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 jason covey duck can do that you can do it wonderful wonderful how mental is that email to anaban batashaji Hello, Yal. I thought for once I'd email you guys after a win. Woohoo! I put it down to Hazard not trying to break the world's record for the number of back heels in a match. <laughs> Joking aside, we will miss him when he's gone. I wonder if he does. I still miss Zola, Petrescu, Robin, Joe Cole, Duff, etc. Hell, I even miss Gronkia, even though we could never look the fuck up. <laughs> Another thing I would like to add. <laughs> Another run thing I'd like it, to run. add, objectively speaking, we might have the best-looking striking duo in the world. Mmm. Ah, he's such a beardy man. Keep the blue flag flying high. Cheers, Aniban. Good. I like... Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Morato and... Morato well, and, uh, what do you think? And Juru are, are strikingly good-looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that as be able to observe it. I don't actually... You know, look at blokes much and think, oh, they're good looking. It's not really my thing. But, um, uh, you know, if you want to do that, yeah, they're very pretty. Uh, what do you think, Jish? Well, I, I, I think he's got a point there, actually. I think we've overlooked this. I think that uh, I think that Olivier Giroud, Olivier Giroud rolls off the tongue and Alvaro Morata doesn't really roll off the tongue quite as effectively. But I think they are very beautiful men. And I do believe that last week I was urging people uh, to grow Olivier Giroud beards in honour of the great man. But I'll be honest, I'll be honest, uh, If I reserve my man crush uh, for Chelsea players, singularly for Marcus Alonso, 
who runs down the wing for me. Uh, I think he's a wonderfully beautiful-looking man with his George Michael haircut. Uh, Ollie, um, you know, you, have you got a bit of a man love for your compatriot? Well, he's got the same name as you, hasn't he? Ollie Giroux. <laughs> That's Ollie where Arnold. the link ends. I think. There's a link Just there somewhere. Rescue um, me. I've got a beard, yeah, not quite as. <laughs> well, you've got a beard. Um, you've got a beard. To be fair. A bit more ginger than Olivier Giroud's. Um, yeah, I mean, they probably fight over the hair gel, don't they, in the dressing room? Both of them uh, like to look sharp on the pitch, and uh, yeah, it's not a bad looking duo. Question on Giroud. I think he's he's lovely man. He's a lovely man. Damn, damn sight more attractive. Although Harry Kane just claimed to be more handsome. Mm, okay. Anyway, hang on. Lads, last show you brought up Chelsea ending up in, in Bulgaria playing CSKA. Loved the Siska transcription, so deservedly humiliating to them. It was Levski Sofia once in the Champions League circa 2006, I think, and another one in the then UEFA Cup some 15 years earlier. Latter was my first Chelsea live game I saw. 20 years I've, I've, 20 years I first started following them, but I digress. I don't mean to send this email to be aired. Well, it has been just sorting out facts as our beloved Chelsea has fans in Bulgaria too. <laughs> and it didn't sound right the first time round. I heard you discussing memories from visiting over. Oh, it was Levski, Sophia, was it? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That- no, 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 no. This is the point, Jonathan. I've done I've done some homework. I've done my research so much as I love Dimitar and how lovely it is to to have an email from Bulgaria. Mental. I love that. But I did my homework, JK, because you were right. You were right. I can prove indefatigably that you were right because in uh, 21st of October 1970, you were indeed watching Chelsea beat CSKA or Siska Sofia 1-0 in the UA for European Cup Winners' Cup because that's when we played them. Uh, And that's the only time... That's the only time we've played them. I mean, obviously, we played them in the return leg on the 4th of November 1917 when we also won 1-0. But that's the only time we've played Siska Sophia, or CSKA Sophia, if you prefer. But uh, Dimitar's right. We did play uh, Levski Sophia uh, a couple of times. Once in the uh, UEFA Cup on the 27th. Oh, sorry. We, we played them, you know, two legs, obviously. But we went over there on the 27th of September 2001, uh, having beaten them 3-0 on the home leg on the 20th of September. And we played them again in 2006, uh, where we played them away on 27th of September, where we won 3-1, and then the return was on the 5th of December. So this would have been a Champions League group game, uh, but we beat them 2-0 in the home leg in December. So, wow. So but there I, we go. I was so, present at uh, the, right, uh, the away leg of the 2001 Levski-Sophia game as well. I went there as well. That was where we were we were um, frisked even after we'd been in the loo, I remember, by... Um, uh, as if somehow we would have hidden something in the system <laughs> before the game to bring out. I don't know what they were looking for. Um, and what was so annoying was that all the guards before the game had been asking us to send uh, uh, best wishes and messages to people in London and Peterborough and wherever that they knew in England and gave us all their addresses. And then somebody blew a whistle and they all became uh, maniacs and put their shields and started hitting us with their batons and telling us to sit down. Mm. It was absolutely bizarre, but this was 2001. Um, yeah. Well, it would, yeah, it, would have been, it would have been behind the Iron Curtain then. But no, they, no, they were post-communist. They were post-communist. freaky. But it was still free. Yeah, it, no, no, 2001. No, no, no. What, in 71? Yeah, 2001. Yeah. Oh, 2001, yeah. No, they were just, yeah. they were just, yeah. they were just malevolent like most European police yeah. are. Um, I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you, Jonathan, breaking news, since we started talking about, actually yeah. since Annabelle started talking about uh, beautiful Chelsea players, Mixler have been doing nothing 
but talking about uh, beautiful, uh, you know, Chelsea players <laughs> and, and, and actually comparing them to themselves. Uh, you know, I mean, Bonnie Rig Blues, does your wife do your eyebrows? Uh, and I have a beard, Bonnie, says Tony Glover. The oil and balm saved me scratching oh, my face off. You have to put balm on, is that right? Yes, uh, you do. And, and oh oil, God, you put some sort you know, of cream on it to make it nice and soft. Sucking you, you know, uh, but hey. I mean, obviously, I don't. Obviously, I don't do that. I, I, I never, I never balm my beard or oil my beard up. Uh, Chris Larwood, that's right, aka the Blue Um Any relation to Harold Larwood, the great English bowler? Um, hi, Chief. Yeah. Well, I, I can I just can I just can I just preface this, J.K. Because Chris is uh, one of the earliest listeners to the Chelsea fancast ever. This man has been with us almost from the get-go, all right, 10 years ago. And I tried to meet Chris in, uh, in, um, in Australia when I went over there, uh, but he lives in Adelaide, and I, it, just, it just didn't happen. But he sent me a bottle of wine to my hotel to say thank you for the fan cast. So the Blue Roo, we, we, are, we are very fond of him. Martin, Dr. Mark met him out in Australia when he went out there. Uh, so, and I think we, we did the Harold Larwood gag on him many times when he used to write in Good. Hi, Chidge. The fan cast powers onwards. Fantastic. I know you detest the early kickoffs, but they're a godsend for us down under. Saturday's game was at the excellent kickoff time at 2100 Saturday night. So Adelaide Chelsea got together for the game, along with a few Southampton fellas, for some banter. It wasn't looking good at 2-0 down, but immediately the second was scored. The song came up, 3-2, we're going to win 3-2. 3-2, we're going to win. No, it'd be like that, wouldn't it, mate? 3-2, we're going to win 3-2, we're going to win 3-2. I did find out one of our Adelaide Chelsea crew has been lucky enough to win a trip to London for the FA Cup final through an ESPN competition. So should Chelsea get there, I'd like full FA Cup day protocol to pass on to them. Maybe they could even meet you and buy a beer on my behalf. Of course, of course, madness not to. Recently, I was in an electronics store. Difficult to say, I'll say it again. Recently, I was in an electronics store in Adelaide and I left my keys on the counter as I needed a few more items. A voice called out in an English accent. OK, who's the Chelsea supporter? As they'd spotted my keys with the Chelsea key ring on the counter. I immediately answered, that would be me. An older gent introduced himself as Terry. He was a Londoner, born in Battersea, the son of a London Bobby and a Chelsea supporter. We had quite a conversation and I'm always interested in the stories from the old Chelsea fans. Terry said how his dad would cycle to Stamford Bridge with him on the pack rack. Blimey. Residents on the terrace houses would offer a bike storage service for a small fee. The only difficulty being identifying which of the near identical houses your bike had been stored at. <laughs> I always find a number helps. At that time, fathers took their boys to the ground and they were passed through the crowd to the very front so they could see the action also. Yeah, my dad told me that used to happen. A different era and time indeed. Terry said he'd visited Stamford Bridge and done the tour only a couple of years ago. He put his photos of the day onto CD with Chelsea songs as the soundtrack. He very kindly offered to make a copy. True to his word, he even dropped off the CD in person. What a gentleman, and it was a real pleasure to meet a true blue Chelsea man. And the key to meeting him was a Chelsea key ring given to me by a Liverpool supporter. Ah, now that I think of it, you may actually know of the fellow that won the FA Cup trip. 
He's also known as Blue Room. Alert the authorities. More to follow, but I'm becoming more nervous about the semi-final each and every minute. Up the chills. Well, there was no need to worry about it, Chris, because we beat them. Good stuff. Lovely mail. Lovely mail. Good. All right, Chich. Um, if I if I if I get that right, mate, that, that he's, he's uh, coming. Himself. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like uh, Chris, the, bro- right, the blue rue, or yes, he's going to be yes. over here for the final. Yes, that well, that's just brilliant. That's brilliant. We, Chris, you've got to come and get drunk with us. I mean, that is just the best news I've had for ages because I, I I still have not met him and I, I tried very hard to, but I never managed to. So. The fact that he's coming over here for the final, that's fantastic. Chris, get in touch. You know where to find me. We will meet up. We will have beer. We will watch football. This is how it's supposed to be. Uh, right, we're going to have a quick break. And uh, then Jonathan's uh, got even more emails. Sorry if you all find this tedious listening. I know you don't really because you tell me you love it. But anyway, there are more in, in a minute. Plus, plus, more important of all, we've got uh, Paul Robinson's repost to Jonathan losing his shit about that email he wrote last week, which is one of the funniest things I've heard in 10 years of doing this show. We'll be back in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge and you are of course listening to the Chelsea Fancast with me and Jonathan Kidd and Dan Silver and the wonderful Ollie Harbord from Football.London and this part is dedicated to more general emails no, of a more nostalgic no, nature, yeah. aren't they, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, no, they're, oh, well, they're, they're having a go at me. I should have read them then, shouldn't I? But never mind, I'll defend myself capably. Okay, here we go. This is from uh, John Alsaka. Dear Church and the Gang, oh my, it was painful to listen to the pod this week. Endless whining about Conte. I don't think we whine. I don't think, John, we ever whine. I think whining is a bit like that. We don't do that, no. Uh, Whining about Conte and how he's cashed it in and there are no options. I love you all and I love the club, but let's be real. Conte has proven himself to be an able manager, easily one of the top five to ten in the world, both club and international. I agree, John. I agree. Do you think for a minute that if he leaves, then a new manager is going to make a difference? If the club doesn't change, I don't think it's the club's fault. The difference between Conte's era and other managers in the past 15 years is that the club went after top players time and again. Managers could change and the club still won because they only had to be competent with a crew of six world-class captains and a supporting cast that was complementary to them. I've been disappointed with this season, not because I think Conte did a poor job, I've been disappointed because no one clearly sat down with him from the club leadership to talk through his issues and support him in a meaningful way. John, I'm sorry they attempted to and it didn't work. He was absolutely right in the summer. If Chelsea wanted to compete in the EPL, Champions League and the two domestic cups, then they needed a top class striker to replace Costa and they needed a first rate dominant midfielder. Uh, yes. Rudiger and Christensen were great additions to the defence and are proven to be worthy players. Most of the other signings either had potential, came in injured or became injured shortly after joining the side. 
Despite all those obstacles, the team continued to play through it, staying competitive with the top of the league and going out of the UEFA Champions League in an honourable way. If you take the four shots that hit the wood against Barca and put them in the net, Chelsea were through 5-4 on aggregate. They went to the semi-finals in the League Cup and also in the FA Cup and very and might very well win it. They lost 1-0 to Man City twice. Who else did that? They drew against Liverpool at Anfield. They drew against United once and should have beaten them in the second game. Say what you will about Conte. The team has competed in every tournament and gone deep. I think the disappointment comes from the fact that we could have done better. <laughs> Some of you have been spot on this week, making the point that a new manager would need a different leadership structure and some unified leadership as it relates to the football strategy and player acquisitions. Why not just sit down with Conte and work it out? Because he doesn't want to. I don't think anyone's done it. Ooh, they have. I think Roman is a co is conflict avoidant. That's good. Conflict avoidant. And does everything through surrogates. When has he met with Conte this year? I, he did it last year and they won the league. Conte knew he succeeded because they had few distractions of midweek tournament play. And he knew this year wouldn't happen that way. Give him the third year and the leadership he deserves and he'll do what he's proven that he can do. Best regards and up the Chelsea, John Alsaka, Atlanta, Georgia. Well, what do we say, Chidge? What do you want to say about that before I... Uh... Well, you know, look, I, I, I think it's fascinating. I want to bring Ollie in on this, actually. But I, I think it's fascinating because it just shows you that there is... A huge uh, split, I think, between people who think you know he should bugger off and that he's been a he's been just too miserable and, and annoying this year, and those who think, well, actually, you know, there have been mitigating circumstances, and and I, I fall, you know, I've got splinters in my arse here, J.K., because I fall somewhere inconveniently between the two. There's been a bit of talk, actually. I mean, even Marco, who, as you know, was so down. Very unlike Marco, to be honest, but he yeah. was so down on, on Conte, wasn't he, when he came on the show recently? His last article for ESPN, he was changing his mind and saying, well, you know, maybe maybe it, you know, if we can just sort things out, if he can sort things out with the club, maybe it's not such a bad idea to keep him because, let's face it, you know, are we going to get anybody who is on paper, okay, as good as Conte. And I think therein lies the nub, and I think it's really difficult, and hence hence the splitting. I just want to bring... Can I bring Ollie in? Because he will yeah, talk about I, 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 I mean, I don't me. think there's think, any point Ollie? trying to keep a man who doesn't want to be there. Um, and I think if you look at the... You look at the vast difference of what he was like last season to this. I mean, he celebrated every goal like it was an FA Cup final win. Didn't matter what the game, what the goal really at times. He would, you know, that, that scene of him... Of swinging from the from the uh, from the dugout at Stoke, and even you know the first game last season against West Ham when he's going mental when when they score against West Ham, that just hasn't been there. And and when that hasn't been there that see this season, it has seemed to feel like he doesn't want to be there a little bit himself. I I don't I don't see the relationship with the club particularly mending. I'm not really sure sitting down and and dealing with it is going to go anywhere to it either i th personally think it is leading everything is leading towards an exit this summer 
um, hoping that it will be an amicable exit and with an FA Cup win behind it as well. And I just, I can't see it. I mean, I do agree the point. I don't know who else would come in who would have the, you know, the great attributes behind it, you know, with the with the league wins behind it. I mean, if you're looking at that, then you're probably looking at Allegri, aren't you? Who's who's done a similar thing to what Conte did at Juventus and won a lot of titles. But I just, I, I don't, I saw a little bit of fire in him on Sunday, but for most of the season, that just hasn't been there like it was last year. Everything about him was, was you know, that's why he fell in love with him, because of passion, the desire. Um, oh, it's been a combination of factors why the season's been so bad. He's had money to spend, but hasn't necessarily spent it on the right players. Now, whether that's been his buys or club buys, we spent 200, 200 plus million. And I think we're really not much behind City in the last three years in terms of what we spent. So you can't say we haven't spent money because we have. I'd like, I said, I'd like to have a third season. You know, with him, if he, if he can you know, build the bridges, which is still possible, and he goes back to Conte of last year, then I think we've got a fantastically great manager. Barcelona at home, he, he did really, really well. You know, it wasn't wasn't for mistake between Christian and Aspilicueta. We've got a very good one nil. So he is very talented coach. He's never been the happiest. I mean, look at his time list. He's always been a bit moody and a bit mildly. So that's just part of his character. But you know, Conte season one versus an unknown or somebody who's not got Premier League experience, I'd take Conte in a heartbeat. Definitely. I, I, think, I think, as um, mm. as Ollie was saying, I think he's destroyed his relationship with the board completely and the club. And I think that's that's what we've, we've seen, this this frustrating, unenthusiastic character. Um, it isn't about not being backed by the board. It's because he, he's come into complete conflict with them. Um and I suppose he would say he wasn't backed by them. But all the all the uh, the the um, opinion that I've heard has been that he's asked for certain players and the board have said no, because lots of them are over 30. And I think he wanted to pack his side with uh, seasoned veterans from Italy. And the club don't want to do that. The club are after trying to buy younger players for the future. And uh, the... Uh, I think they gave in with Giroud because the because Batshuayi worked out so badly, but um, I, I think the way that, as Ollie said, his his demeanour has been so completely different to to, uh, is, is, to last year. He's created a rod for his own back by having such a wonderfully energetic, um, attractive personality, and this season he's he's clearly manifesting some kind of terrible anger or upset by being the opposite um, and and having a go all the time, uh, criticising the board for not buying players. So um, uh, I don't think it's down to the board making a mistake. So we're, this is why we're, we're not endlessly whining, John, about Conte. We're just being realist. This is what we all love the club. But And, and you suggesting that we're real, well, let's be real and you're real. And I... I, I I don't think they're, they're the type of club that will keep him going, uh, as Ollie says, if he doesn't want to stay. And he's just made it absolutely clear um, that he doesn't want to. But, is, but it, it may be that they don't find anybody and they come to a compromise. But I think the compromise would be having to buy the kind of player that he wants, who is over 30, which goes very much against the way the club want to purchase. And his immediate reaction last year was to... Uh, was to disappear and say he wanted to leave when he wouldn't get the players that he wanted. 
So we already set the whole year up in a bad way. Um, so uh, and I think the, 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 and all the things you say about uh, um, the, you know, the games that we just almost managed to win, we, we played terribly against Arsenal in the League Cup. We didn't play well against Barcelona away at all. Uh, I didn't agree with tactically what he did as well because he allowed Messi to run riot and, of course, he scored. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 we just haven't played very well. And I think his disquiet has been communicated to the players. That's, that's my view. It seems to be backed up to an extent by um, the uh, intelligence that I have received through the ridiculousness of sitting in the area that I sit, which allows me to get information. Um, so I'm sorry to, uh, to disagree with you so completely, but um, I do. Should we get on to the next one? Uh, Jimmy Fox. Okay, Chich? I've got to say, before you start this one, when I, yeah, when I saw this one come in, I just went mental about Jimmy the Fox <laughs> meets Jimmy the Weed. It's, like, it's an old thing. Is this guy real? Is, he, is he just a Thin Lizzy yeah, song? I, I don't know. What Jimmy Fox. There he is. Jimmy, Jimmy Fox meets Jimmy the Weed. It's just actually Johnny the yes, Fox. Yes, you're right. It's actually Johnny the Fox. Right. It's Johnny the Fox, isn't it, in Thin Lizzy? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to call him Jimmy the Fox. <laughs> Would that be the boys are back in town? Anyway, I digress. What a great track. <laughs> Thank you. Dear Chidge, JK, Alex oh, and the boys, good. I've been very listening good. to your podcast for just over a year now, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. As an American, I believe it's the best way to follow the blues and keep up with the news and reliable opinions. I apologise for this lengthy email, but I find it's a great analogy, an example for Chelsea to follow. I'm not sure if any of you follow or enjoy baseball. I do. So I will try my best at explaining the context. Chelsea's glaring need for a new technical director has led me to draw comparisons to the Chicago Cubs, my hometown professional baseball team. Before 2016, the Cubs last won the World Series in 1908, a period so long that they were coined the lovable losers. The Cubs just never seemed to find a winning way and wasted plenty of money on poor signings. Under new ownership, they finally hired new executives for their front office. The new front office realised the importance of taking two steps backwards in order to take five steps forwards, something Chelsea are in dire need of. Uh -oh. During this redevelopment, the Cubs prioritised winning later instead of winning at the present. Uh -oh. They hired a new manager to create and promote a sustainable winning culture. In the US, managers of sports teams don't really have the power to dictate new signings. Instead, managers and coaches concentrate on tactics and culture. They also focused on creating the best minor league system, more or less the same as a football team's youth academy. Teamwork is nowhere near as important in baseball as it is in football, but this improved minor league system helped produce an elite group of players to form a spine for the Cubs. The front office then filled in the gaps by signing veterans to help develop the younger stars into future leaders and all-stars. Chelsea need to realise that in order to compete with the best, they need to take a step back. Luckily for them, they already have one of the best, best youth systems in the world. One of their priorities this summer should be to find a replacement for Antonio Conte, who can create a conducive culture for younger players to develop and shine. They also need to find a technical director who can continue finding quality around the world to support the youth academy, while also filling in the gaps in the youth in the first team. 
The youth squads are the future of Chelsea's spine. There's no point in paying premiums for washed-up veterans. Well, that's what Conte was trying to do. This season has hopefully humbled Chelsea's executives to the point where they realise that drastic change is needed. I'd love to hear your opinions on how Chelsea can draw examples from other top clubs and how you think they can really create that winning culture that seems to be absent this season. Keep the blue flag flying high. All the best. Jimmy Fox, Chicago, Illinois, USA. Cracking email, <laughs> cracking email. Jimmy the Fox. Da, 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 da. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, what, what, what do you reckon, Dan? Um, what was the question? Uh, how, how do you think that we can create a winning culture that seems yeah, to be absent this season? I, I, I think, think we still have a winning, winning culture. has been diminished club, because really we don't have the leaders. But, uh, but anyway, go on. We've got some potentially very, very good players to rebuild we, we again. I think somebody put on Twitter, you know, would you want Chelsea to have build some sort of long-term plan over the next three to five years or go, you know, a one-two-year one, two, one, two year plan, we win trophies, sack a manager. It's it's about will the club have the patience for a, a three to five-year plan or they just want to keep going as they're going, which has been so successful since Roman's taken over. You know, all the finals, all the trophies, you know, we, we sat managers on, you know, perhaps unjustly, and we've won trophies. So it's, 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 does the club have the patience to wait three years to get a, another plan in place? That's a question. Or do they want to get a big name manager in, win the league, shit the bed, sack a manager, you know, Groundhog Day? Yeah, but I mean, I'd, I'd argue, is. I'd argue that that attitude is a winning attitude. You know, because if, 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 I mean, I know you could, we can argue the semantics about it, of saying, well, you know. Not building for the long term and think, not having strategic plans that la 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 is also not a, is, is also a winning thing. But you know, I, I think exactly. I think sacking them I think is, what the is not accepting anything less than winning. So you know, we made mistakes here, here, and here. Let's rectify it. You know, Mourinho when he won the league second time round, he didn't get the players he wanted, and he you know he threw his toys out the pram. Conte's not got the players he wanted, albeit they may not be the right ones for the Chelsea model, and we've had another bad season so that club needs to learn by the mistakes they learn by the mistakes and maybe we can build a, a legacy for five six years with one manager mm. but it's all you know that's what needs to happen okay i've got breaking news i've got breaking news jonathan you'll be delighted to hear uh, that john ulsacker uh, whose email you completely and utterly disagree with is in mixler as we speak and has said uh, <laughs> i'm gonna fight jonathan when i see him no he didn't say that he says the board says no he says the board says, i'm gonna open jonathan up like a tin of beans when i next see him no he says the board says nothing publicly conte says he wants to stay jk source gives one side of the story i say there are three sides to every story and the truth is somewhere in the middle fair point i think it's salvageable if raymond sits down with him and mediates it and then he goes on to say <laughs> I'm going to open Jonathan. No, no, he doesn't say that. Thanks, Tony. Uh, I wish it could be solved so that everyone can focus on having a cracking summer window. Look, enough of that. Jo uh, brilliant to have you in here, John. Uh, and, and look, the, the reality is, I mean, this is what this show's about. You know, we, we, if we all said exactly the same thing and agree with other each other every minute of the show, it would be bloody boring and something like communist Russia. So I, I welcome uh, a huge amount of opinions of the Listen, mate, this is a cracking email. It's very long. Strap yourself in, but it's one of those wonderful... Nigel nostalgia, nostalgia So ones here's I where so I much. originate with some CFC memories. As a six-year-old at the time, football in the wider sense was a blur and was kind of confined to kicking a ball around in my parents' garden for hours on end, damaging garden shrubs and the fence. 
The leather ball given to me was claimed to have been an old match ball used at a Swindon Town game and that Don Rogers, of Swindon and Palace, had scored a brace with it. My father saw this as a way of giving me a focus, no different to any other parent, and gave me a club and a hero to follow. Chelsea it was, and Peter Osgood was to be my hero off the back of the 1970 FA Cup final. Cool, Osgood. My father showered me with all sorts of Chelsea stuff. For those of 70s vintage, then you remember Ted McDougall. He was a good player, most notably of Bournemouth and Southampton, who had a couple of sports shops in the South Coast Dorset area. I'm pretty sure that top footballers in each town of the city, uh, each town or city, had their own sports shops. And remembering more locally uh, that Don Rogers of the League Cup 1969 Swindon fame would have been no exception. And remember my father taking me to Ted's brand new store inside what was then a new shopping mall in Poole. I vaguely remember the store being on the first floor and placed in a prime spot at the top of the escalator. On entering the store, my eyes simply lit up at the vast range of sports where available. And my father had a shopping list for me, a blue long sleeve playing shirt, no logos or club badge embroidery, blue shorts with white stripes down each side and white socks, a club pennant and what seemed a life-size colour print of Peter Osgood. I had no idea how much this stuff had cost, but my father was just pleased to see my face light up and that he took great delight in making me a Chelsea fan. But then I sensed that my father's input, time and finances, as far as Chelsea was concerned, would take a bit of a back seat. I remember being in the car with my father, driving alongside the Thames towards Hammersmith, and asked him if he could drive past Stamford Bridge so that I could at least see the ground. There was no reply, and he just drove on. I never pestered my father to do anything more after that, but he then treated me to a match at the county ground, Swindon. As much as a thrill it, as it was, I knew that Chelsea were a much bigger appeal and resigned myself to watching games on Match of the Day, etc., and keeping in touch with Shoot magazine. Who, too, remembers that magazine? I do. Here's an anecdote from the early 70s. My parents and brother and sister were members of a church organisation. Every year there would be either a brass band or singing group that would visit from way outside of our hometown and perform concerts over a weekend and church members would host one or two visiting group members into their homes rather than have have them rather than have them have the vast expense of bed of a bed and breakfast arrangement anyway cutting to the chase the church invited a brass band from south southall london and the band leader's surname was osgood in the weeks leading up to the weekend string of concerts, the church secretary would talk through current and future events, much in the same way as Chidge does his parish notices midway through the fancast when he talks about the Chelsea pitch owners scheme, etc., etc. And on each occasion I heard these notices, my ears pricked up more each time I heard the name Osgood. My father was sure to have noticed my ever-raising interest and made one or two inquiries as to who my mother and father would host over this upcoming weekend. Little did I know at the time that there was a band member within the visiting brass band from Southall with the name of Peter Osgood. This happened to be the band leader's son. <laughs> As a seven or eight-year-old at the time, I was trying to put two and two together, and much to my surprise, my father said to me that we were to be hosting Peter Osgood in our home over the band's weekend visit. My eyes totally lit up. 
Peter Osgood is going to be staying in my house. The footballer Peter Osgood, surely not. Does he really play football and play in a brass band? <laughs> the weekend had arrived and I was getting quite excited at the prospect of Peter Osgood coming to stay in my house over a weekend. The band had played their Saturday evening concert and afterwards each host were to meet their guests. I stood by my father when we were introduced to our guests for the weekend. Nigel, my father said to me, this is Peter Osgood. My face dropped. My heart had sunk. It wasn't Peter Osgood, the footballer at all. It was only a guy with the same name. How did this guy feel having seen a father set up his son, maybe thinking that a famous footballer from London would be staying at their home? Maybe this hadn't been the first time this had happened. Anyway, for me, a slight disappointment, but had soon got over it. You then start to realise that the planet is a much bigger place than you thought it was. Bringing things more up to present day with a few thank yous. Thank you to Paul Smith, who I believe now lives in Nantwich and originally came from Ascot, who took me along to my first game at the bridge, a Champions League group game versus Galatasaray. A few beers in the butcher's hook just before the game. What a blast. Thank you to my son Callum for helping me empty my pockets and me doing for him what my father did for me, except that Callum and I came to the bridge for games unlike my own father. I'm not sounding bitter. Thank you to you guys on the fan cast for helping me get that much closer to all things Chelsea FC. I'm mostly only able to listen on demand and on the very rare occasion live through Mixler. I shouldn't pick out favourite contributors to the fancast, but smut buddies Tony Glover and Alex, the girl who likes balls, Churchill, are tops, just based on their smut, LOL. <laughs> that, said, that said, every contributor on the fancast gives <laughs> such balanced views. Keep it up. One day when picking up CFC UK fanzine, I might just bump into one or two of you on the stall opposite Fulham Broadway, or maybe in the cock. That's it from me. Keep the blue flag flying high. Up the Chelsea. Nigel Bird, Swindon. Totally, utterly, fantastically brilliant, brilliant email that. Tony's laughing in Mixler because he's got a name check, you know. It doesn't take much to, to get Tony's ears to prick up. Uh, I really hope, Nigel, that yes, you do. We do bump into you at the CFC UK store, or even better, the cock, and we can buy you a pint just to say thank you for such a brilliant email and for listening to us. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, this will amuse you, I'm sure, Nigel, but I actually interviewed uh, Don Rogers for a program I made 12 years ago, 13 years ago, even, in his sports shop in Swindon. And uh, even better than that, um, I decided whilst I was interviewing him that he looked a little <laughs> bit like Lee Van Cleef, if you remember Lee Van Cleef from the Spaghetti Western movies. So I therefore, because basically the story was about Don Rogers scoring lots of goals and running riot when, when Crystal Palace beat uh, Man United 5-1. So uh, basically I did a, a pastiche of Don Rogers as Lee Van Cleef in my little vignette that I had to make about him. Uh, I, I hope he never saw it. I don't know, he might have liked it, actually. And the other thing was Shoot Magazine. I remember Shoot, Shoot magazine. magazine. It was fantastic. I really loved that. Highlight of my week, you know, it's both as magazines. I don't know if I remember, they did an April Fool's cover years and years ago with Ian Rush signing for Everton. They had a picture of Ian Rush in an Everton kit on the front page of their magazine, and I fell for it. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But, yeah. yeah. Did you really? <laughs> Brilliant. Ollie, what an amazing email. Aren't we lucky to get emails like that? have got to be pretty proud that people from all over the world are writing in emails from Atlanta to Swindon. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? 
It doesn't. It's glamorous if nothing else on the Chelsea Fancast. No, I mean, it's a joy. I mean, we've met so many great people, yourselves included, of course, through doing this show. And I am very humble when people take the time to email in. Um, I'm also uh, humble when they write in and Jonathan t- throws his toys out of the pram and then they write back. And it just shows you that we are a very broad church at Chelsea and the Chelsea Fancast, and that yes. we all love each other really. Isn't that right, <laughs> Jonathan? I'm just reading. I'm, <laughs> I'm reading a bit of Paul's, Paul's, uh, Paul Robinson's uh, upcoming mail. Yes, and I'm, I'm bowing my head in shame. Yeah. I'm in shame. Are you now? All right. If I start sobbing, people, please, please understand. Okay. 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 Paul Robinson, dear Chidge, Jonathan and crew. First of all, thank you for reading out my war and peace tome during last week's show. This is intended as a response to a couple of points made during the show. So please, no need to read out as others deserve a turn. No, Paul, no, we must read out. It's amazing how Conte divides supporters. I have to say most of my mates are completely in Jonathan's camp, i.e. Conte is exclusively to blame. Jonathan, you did, however, particularly make me smile on one comment. My note made reference to some having blind faith in the board. Whilst reading that section of my letter, Jonathan appeared to take offence by that remark. Yet at the beginning of the same show, whilst discussing the need to spend significantly during the season, Jonathan said, I have total faith in the board. I think blind and total, actually, Paul, are two different words, but never mind. Elsewhere, elsewhere, elsewhere... I've knocked something over in my haste. <laughs> Elsewhere, Jonathan asked me to name my sources when I referred to, we are then led to believe that Conte threatened to leave, went on holiday in complete radio silence, returned asking to talk about new signings and was told to forget it because he'd threatened to leave. The problems of the summer didn't start with Conte threatening to leave and his subsequent radio silence when he went on holiday. He didn't suddenly wake up and say he wanted to leave. The fallout started when the club completely disregarded any of his list of players and warnings for new information. This information was made publicly in articles and tweets during December of January by uh, by three of the most respected journalists acknowledged as closest to the club, Matt Laws, Matt Dickinson and Simon Johnson. The level of detail and lack of any denial was such that it can only have been deliberately leaked by informed sources at the club. The only additional point I would make to my previous email is that another part of the reason for this season demise is the absence of an effective number two post Steve Holland to act as go-between with the players. I said that as well. I said that as well, Paul. And with deep knowledge of the Premier League, I said that. If only Ray was still with us or if only Steve Clark was not up in Scotland. I meant it when I said that in my honest opinion, the fan cast continues to go from strength to strength. In my honest opinion, this is in no small part to Jonathan. Oh, Paul, I love you. Who acts as the voice of reason and acts as the perfect foil to change. A perfect double act. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Best, Paul. Paul, unbelievable magnanimity. Absolutely fantastic. Um, But um, uh, yes, yes, that, that was clearly leaked by the club. I agree with you completely. That was absolutely leaked. Um, but it was what what the information I had was that he attempted to get, in each instance, all these players over 30, like Bonucci, who were his pals from Italy. And it was, wasn't what the club was, was after. Um, 
Yes, so uh, yeah, thank you, Paul, very much, and I appreciate possibly. Yeah, very, it is very big of him. I said, I said, it's very mag. mag it's very big house. of him. I said, and I. Anyway, listen. You, you know what? You very yeah, magnanimity, yeah, not, which is right, not easy for you to say. Yeah. I think you did very well with that very long word. What other? Fa I'm going to ask Ollie if 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 Chidge and Jonathan are a double act. Who which, which double act would they be, Ollie? Silence. Uh, French and Saunders. Silence. Yeah, Silence. Is that you, Dan? That was you, wasn't it? French and Saunders. I quite like that. I quite Hello? like that. Is Hello? Ollie still with us? I am, yeah. He says he is. I, I am. Uh, let's go. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Does that count? <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> oh, very nice. You can, you, you're not coming back. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's so rude. I'm going to move on swiftly. I think that's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Well done, Ollie. That was funny. Um, Paul, that's a great email. Everybody, great emails this week. We absolutely do do love them coming in. And we are now officially caught up. We have caught up with the monstrous amount of emails we've had to get through in the last week. So well done us. And well done you for writing them. And as I said, please send them in uh, before a Monday. So, you know, preferably on a Sunday so that I can get them into the, the show on the Monday. And send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com. Right. Uh... We will, talking of Mondays, we'll be back next Monday at 7 o'clock uh, in the evening live. Uh, and we'll be looking back at the match against Swansea, which will be interesting, largely because it won't be very interesting, I suspect. I know that sounds odd, but given what we've been doing recently, it's a bit of a, bit of a come down, really, I, I feel. But uh, we shall see. Uh, anyway, I'll be joined by Jonathan, as ever, and the wonderful Tony Glover who is uh, Indie House in Mixler as we speak. So it'll be a great show of tone next week. Uh, and also um, Joe Tweedy. So expect some uh, some very, very well thought out insight from Joe. Now, before that, of course, I'll be recording the Kerry Dixon show. Uh, massive apologies, one and all, for, for not doing a Kerry show uh, this week. Um, not Kerry's fault at all, all mine. I, I got struck down by a stomach bug, a 24-hour bug on Friday, and I felt like shit warmed up. So I had to cancel that, but I promise to make it up for you this week once Kerry's uh, speak, speaking to me again from blowing him out. I'm sure he'll be all right. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll intend to do that on Thursday, so make sure you download that and listen to it on Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, et al. Uh, and on Friday, of course, uh, at 7 o'clock, we'll be doing the Chelsea Fancast for Love Sport Radio, and it'll be me uh, and Dan. Dan will be back with us on Friday and uh, and Clayton Beerman. So uh, Aaron Paul will be delighted to have Clayton because he's decided that Clayton, Alex and Marco well, we're out, are we're out, it's, it's us out. It'll be me, Dan and Clayton on the Love Sport Radio Chelsea Fancast version on Friday. Of course, please remember this, people. We really would love you to do this. I know we're begging, but we are begging. The whole point of doing a radio show live is that people can phone in and join the debate. We we are we get so excited when somebody that we recognise from Mixler or, or who, a, a listener who's emailed or whoever whoever you are, even if we don't know who you are, we still get excited when you phone up. Oh uh, two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight. Brilliantly done. Okay, uh, and don't forget, of course, it's on five five eight a.m. It's on your digital uh, radio channels, and you can get it on uh, Radio Player and TuneIn, which are apps for your phones, as you well know. And it's at Love Sport Radio on Twitter, but you can tweet us and we'll read it out as well. Now, uh, you can follow this show, as I said, at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silve 73 
Ollie at AOJ Hardball. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've got to think of a blog to write for you uh, on Wednesday. I'm racking my brains at the moment. It might. I have a suspicion, Ollie. I, I warn you now. It might <laughs> okay, be a continuation of my meltdown about <laughs> Wembley enough. being a shithole. With all of the swear words taken out, but as always, mate. You know, thank you for uh, you know allowing me to do that. I'm 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 very very humbled that uh, that you allow me to do that. So thank you. Uh, of course, um, other than my ramblings during the week for various people, you can uh, check out the Chelsea webs at the ChelseaFanCast.com website, and there are many wonderful bloggers, all corralled by the marvelous editor who is Hion Carbis, and they are to name check them: Nick, Simon, John, John. Dean, Vinay, Alex, Stephen, Tom, Chris, Ken, Martin, and Becca. Many, many thanks to you lot for contributing. You you light up my life by writing for the for the website. You really do. Right, that is pretty much all we've got time for this week. Apart from for me to say, uh, as always, Ollie, massive pleasure having you on the show. Lovely. Well, we look forward to catching up with you about the presser on Friday. That's always great insight. That's my favourite bit of the show, actually, if I was to be honest. So we look forward to speaking to you again on Friday and hopefully catching up with you in the, the, yeah, the not-too-dim and distant. We'd love to have a beer with you sometime soon. Dan Silver, uh, always, always a pleasure having you on the show, mate. I hope we haven't made your dinner get cold because I did say 20 minutes about 40 minutes ago. Sorry about that. Debut on the Love Sports Show, mate. Right, go and enjoy your dinner, mate. Uh, thank you. Um, lovely to be on, as always, Chidge. Thank you very much. Keep sending them in, and please ring everybody at Love Sport. I'll, I'll push that as well. Please ring in, because it, it's such a joy to listen to you um, come in, as well as listening to all the stuff on Mixer. That's great. So, uh, well done. Great, mate. Lovely. Right, we we got to go. Thanks, people. Thank Happy you. birthday for Friday, Jonathan. Happy birthday for the Chelsea Fancast on Saturday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. See you next up the show. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.